Podcast episode forty three. I'm here once again, joined by my amazing co-host Colby Moyer. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, I think both of us, each of us, had a three day work week. Uh, yeah. We both closed Saturday, both open Sunday, so powered through that, ready to roll. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a lot. Not a lot of ton in gaming this news this week, as far as Nintendo goes. Not a ton, but. Well, we do have we do have some stuff. We're ready to rock. How are you doing? Uh, I mean, it's been a long, long week, and <laughs> I'm tired. And next week is going to be even longer. But you know, such is what we do for for money these days. So, mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's Sunday, sailors. A new week is beginning. Uh, yeah, I saw your tweet with freaking Mr. Krabs. <laughs> those. Those. Those profiles are taking over Twitter. There was well, just one that uh, it's Wednesday sailors. You're halfway there. Keep going. Oh, it's no. Friday sailors. We've made it. And then it's Sunday sailors. A new week is starting. Uh, it's God. Mr. Krabs choking. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for Mr. Krabs to hype me up for my nine hour, my twelve hour work day tomorrow. Yeah, and then of course we have Saturdays are made for dads. That's a, that's a great Saturdays are one. for dads. And that's dads, a fun, that's a fun are. account. <laughs> that that's a fun account to follow yeah it is but, but other than that i mean it's probably one of the driest weeks we've had in, in for nintendo gaming news in quite a while yeah i mean we got some okay actually no i was trying to find a <laughs> no actually a but in that in that situation actually, i do have something for you really quick that okay. i saw on the twitterverse of course okay, hang on. here it is Okay, so some so some like Nintendo Gaming Channel tweeted that they believe that the Mario remakes are still true and that they're going to happen. I saw that this that this they're still going to happen this year. This year, Here's this is threat. the week of E3. Yes, this is the week of E3. R- rest in peace. So uh, yeah, when Origami King was announced, its release day was 64 days away from the day it was announced. There's no way that's an accident. Oh my god. So the 35th Mario Anniversary game should be announced 35 days after the reveal of Origami King. Let's hope. Are we close? 35 days after the announcement of Paper Mario would be on June 18th. So that is in 11 that, days. If there's that's a, a, I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch, but if Nintendo's really going for that symbolism... Listen, props to us. Props to them for catching on to it, because that's not... That's, that's no not easy. something you just look at and passively see that's something yeah 64 days that has to be a coincidence anyway that i just thought that was interesting has to yeah, be no, i did see that tweet short i just realized my mic wasn't really close to me if my audio is shit i apologize oh that happens yeah I, I just had it like a few inches away so it should be fine all right so jumping right. right into it we did we talked about last week how you actually talked about how uh Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC was going to get more news on it 
And it did. So we got... Well, most of the news actually came after the the fact. We got... Well, we, what did happened, get we a, got a trailer. We got yeah, a trailer. trailer. We got a formal trailer. We got a trailer. It didn't reveal a whole lot of new things. It mostly just kind of showed us some of the things we already saw in the primary trailer, which showed a lot of concept art, but this showed a lot of that stuff actually in-game. So we saw a lot of in-game footage in areas that we didn't see before. So uh, I have some notes here uh, talking about the probably the most important things, and I also have some screenshots. So we will start with that. So the first thing we see in the trailer, oh, you have it up, is... Uh, is Galarian Slowbro. Uh, obviously, Galarian Slow uh, Slowpoke was revealed earlier and released in-game, and the item to evolve it into Galarian Slowbro will be in this expansion. It's a poison psychic type, and it that's has... A neat, a, that's, that's a neat combo right there. It is a neat combo. It actually has a signature move. Shell Sidearm. Shell sidearm, which always damages the opponent, or sorry, which always poisons the opponent, and also it can do either physical or special damage depending on which one is uh, will do most damage to the target. That's <laughs> which is a lot of effects. So if this thing ends up having like a high base power, this move is nuts. Yeah, and you know, Slowbro is Slowbro popular like in the competitive scene. Slowbro? Yeah. Um, uh, not immensely popular. He did get a mega evolution in X and... Not X and Y. He, he got a mega... I actually don't remember. It, might, it, it probably was X and Y. He got a mega evolution. In Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. That's when he got the mega evolution. Okay. Uh, he so had a mega evolution then. He was... You know, he's bulky. He can, he can take a lot of hits. He's mostly on a defensive role, I believe, but... You know, this, so maybe, maybe this new abilities, and maybe this the fact that he just has a lot of a variety with the way he plays now. Maybe that can give him some competitive flair. I just think it's funny. He has a fucking Mega Man arm cannon. I just think that's quite hilarious. Yeah, all, it is for sure. It's also kind of pushing the trend that Pokemon seems to be doing now, where a lot of the new Pokemon they release, like they always have a signature move. Like this is just a regular Pokemon. This isn't even a legendary or an event, but he still has a. A, uh, an exclusive move, which is, uh, you know, kind of out of the norm for what historically yeah, right. for Pokemon. Oh, geez, that's not him. Um, anyway, this is it. yeah, look, man, look at him. He is pissed. He's not happy. He's not happy. All right. I guess I'll, I'll guess since I'm watching it in real time. Yeah, we get some views of new areas. Oh, oh! stop right there. Luxray is back. So this confirms oh! that Pokemon from past generations that were not included in the big. Uh, Dex cut will be uh, available to. Uh, I mean, we knew that they would be available to acquire to catch but in this it DLC. Was but now it's cool to see them. Yeah, it's, it was cool to see them back. You know, we got Luxray was the first one we saw, and that got a lot of people hype. Uh, but yeah, that the, most of the early parts of the trailer is going. You know, some setup shots showing us the new areas. We see a picture of Urshifu, as well as the. Uh, the Gigantum or the the Dynamax dens for legendaries, which we'll see later on in the trailer. Yes, we will. We'll talk about that later. So we see the the protagonist arriving at the Isle of Armor. We see some more returning Pokemon, 
I believe, alongside some that were already in the I will, game. I will say, this shot right here with the whale, that, that's pretty cool. That, Not I was going to say, lie. whale lord is huge. This wild area looks so much more just colorful yeah. and alive than than the base game wild area because this whole DLC is wild area. Like there are no standard routes, just one yeah. big wild area. So I mean, they did the have gra- to make it, you know, graphics big. don't look too different, but I will say it does look more complete and um, appealing. Yes, it, it looks much more, you know, we, and we got some more shots of Pokemon, uh, Emolga, Mianxiao, uh, Fletchender, Dragalge. This thing, stop right there. So we get two shots really quick back to back. So, I remember take the Cramomatic, so Cramorant, that kind of like robotic Cramorant we saw. That is called the Cramomatic. And the machine apparently can combine up to four items and turn them into new items. Although hmm. the, the types of items you will put in and the types of items you will get out are currently not known. So it's pretty much, uh, this is all coming from Cerebi. And some, you know, ulterior news sources. Pretty reliable. Well. Pretty reliable Pokemon. It, it's a pretty reliable source. The the guy who curates it has memorized the entire Pokedex. I, I trust him with my life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, cram the crammer the cr- fucking cramomatic uh, should be an interesting uh, addition. But yes. what comes next, uh, if you go into the next scene, is what is called Gigantamax soup. So you can see it's kind of like you know a big pot with some Gigantamax clouds around it so what this does which is i think is really really exciting so basically if you feed a pokemon this soup and this pokemon has a gigantamax form but isn't like the gigantamax variant it will it will make it so that it can gigantamax so for instance i have my cinderace that i have had from the beginning of the game and as we know the the galarian starters got gigantamax forms but you could you know, as is typical with Gigantamax Pokemon, you need to find special, like not every Pokemon of that species can Gigantamax. You need to find them special in yes. raids. But for this, I could take my, cra- my, my I almost said fucking Cramorant. I got Cramorant on the brain now. Yeah, uh, I can take my Cinderace that I got at the start of the game as my score bunny, feed it this soup, and apparently it will be able to become a Gigantamax Cinderace in battle. Which I think mm. is really cool because I always thought that it kind of sucked that you couldn't, like, if you got a Pokemon that could Gigantamax during your adventure, you just couldn't yeah. do it unless you got it from a raid. This, I believe, is just a a very convenient feature to have, uh, especially for Pokemon who aren't being, like, promoted in raids so that you, like, can't really find them as easy. Because Gigantamax Pokemon in raids are freaking rare. They are, yeah. I remember me and my roommate in college were trying to find a... We had to do these crazy, like, time-skipping stuff to find a Gigantamax Charizard. But for this, you could essentially get a regular Charizard and feed it this, and it'd become a Gigantamax, which I think is a really cool feature, and I'm really glad that they added it. So I'm excited to be able to use this on my Cinderace when I get the chance. So we see another shot of Mustard and your two new rivals, which I forget the names of, but I know that their types are Fairy and Psychic. Uh, Not even in here. That's how... Um, oh, yeah, God, I, I can put a 9.3 review of Sword and Shield. That's nuts. No. Anyway, <laughs> we are on IGN, though. We just talked about IGN. On we, the yeah, episode. we just, just... Last episode, literally. All right. Oh, yeah. Gigantamax wait, oh, wait. 
Venusaur and Gigantamax Blastoise. What the hell is this? You can you get? Bo- I'm I guessing just, you get one just, or the other. I just saw this. They it seems like they must give you a one Squirtle or a Bulbasaur. Why can't we get both? Shit! Like, <laughs> I mean, you'll eat. You know, you, you already have straight. a char. You already have a char. Yeah, we already have Gigantamax Charizard from Leon in the post game. So now we're gonna get either Gigantamax Blastoise or Venusaur, and they look Damn. interesting. Um, Blastoise looks terrifying. Yeah, Blastoise just has, and he, he's like a full battleship. He has a full armory of cannons on his back, and Venusaur, you know, also their Gigantamax moves are. Uh, they're sorry. Their G Max moves are apparently uh, carbon copies of of Gigantamax Charizards. There's uh, ex- okay. There's different types. Except like you know, Charizard Fire types are immune to its like fire spin effect. So in this case, uh, for Blastoise's case, Water types would be immune to his uh, side effect, and so and as well as Grass types for Venusaur. So yeah. it was cool to see them in action. Obviously, it's nice to see. The Cantonian starters, all like the full trio getting all their right. Gigantamax forms. Uh, and now, right. move on to. We get to the. Cub what's, it called? the what's it called again? The, ta- it's the tower. What's the name of the tower? Yeah, there are two There are two towers that you can. I, I forget, but we get to see our introduction to Cub Fu, which, which will be our new partner in this. Uh, Look at this little guy. Look at him. He's, he's a badass. But yeah, there are two different gyms, essentially. That you can go to on the Isle of Armor, uh, that you uh, can train this this new Pokemon uh, at it, to evolve it into the legendary Pokemon Urshifu, and one will be Water type, and the other will be uh, I'm not sure what the other one will be. I have the name of the towers, so it's called the Towers of Two Fists, and oh, yeah. it's called the Tower of Waters and Tower of Darkness. Okay, yeah, so one will be dark fighting, one will be water fighting. So, yes. depending on which tower you train at. Um, tower... Again, I feel like we covered this. Darkness okay. allows you to evolve into a single strike style, while water is rapid strike. Yeah, we, we have covered that before. Yeah, we've covered this before when the initial release came out, but, you know, like we said, most of this information isn't super new. It's most likely we're seeing, like, footage of it in-game now. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice refresher for those who haven't been keeping up with it. So yeah, we yeah, see yeah. some some bonding moments. Yeah, there are the towers. Yeah, there are the towers. He, so. he has to be the only one you get to complete this tower. Like it's a, it's almost like a it's a white say, tree I, hollow concept for sure, but it's just with. I feel like they probably strip you of all your other Pokemon because again, we talked about this in a in a relatively recent episode actually. How I was concerned about how the difficulty of this would be because of how easy it is to get pokemon to such high levels in this game and to get so mm-hmm. many of them like they would have to do something to make this actually difficult so i imagine it'll just be you and Cubfu taking on this tower so it'll be kind of like uh, a gauntlet and then i like urshifu's design a lot i think it looks I'm, good i'm honestly not sure which one to do because i feel like if i go with dark fighting that'll just be a better pangoro yeah and if i go with water fighting i feel like that's a bit more unique but i feel like it'll be I don't know. I feel like the it, we'll have to see how the stat spreads go. I think the majority are gonna go water fighting. Probably water fighting. That seems to be the most uh, unique. So I think most people will go with that. But we're about to see their Gigantamax forms, and they look menacing. Oh. Like oh my god, 
So, Damn. you know, one's really red, good. one's blue. Their eyes go completely just glowing. And they, their, their fur turns white. It, you know, in the base form, it's mostly black with white highlights. It's kind of reversed in this in this Gigantamax. We see... So that was from that was the most that, of the Isle of Armor stuff. That's Isle of Armor. So basically what we learned about in the Isle of Armor is... Got not really learned, but got to see uh, Tower of the Two Fists. Got to see Cub Fu go through that tower. Urshifu, Gigantamax, and Evolution. Like, I was about to say, I guess this I guess is one more. This will also be where we get in, in Isle of Armor. We'll get the Gigantamax Venusaur or Blastoise as well. well yes, and uh, Pokemon from prior generations. We have to see some. Yes, so Pokemon returning, now, and also the cram the new uh, mechanics of the Gigantamax Soup. And the yes. uh, cram cramomatic. Since the majority of you are listening to this, we are currently going through the Pokemon Sword and Shield Eye of Armor Crown Hunter Expansion Pass trailer. So if you want to follow along with us, you can. It's on YouTube. It's on IG and all that stuff. We are about. To, we are now heading into the Crown Tundra. The Crown which, Tundra section, yes. Which is, I think, the more interesting of the two. Just oh yeah, of what it absolutely. Brings. So this is Calyrex. Uh, okay, hang the on. New... I just noticed this. What's up? It's got like the Triforce. Yeah, I was about to say it has like the Triforce yeah. symbol, which is it does. Yeah, interesting. yeah, it's more of a snowy area, but obviously there are patches of green. Uh, yeah, so but this yeah. area looks way cooler in the main game it, too. It, like, it looks to super them. sick. Uh, I don't know what that character's name is, but uh, right, for this, so the Reggies, we get your pals. They have Reggies uh, as, and it seems like you'll be doing very similar tasks to unlock them as you did in the Hoenn games, seeing as how the trainer sent out a Relicanth, because yep. you need a Waylord and a Relicanth to get one of the Reggies. I forget which one. But it looks like each Reggie will have its own dedicated temple. Whether or not there will be more complicated puzzles to go along with it, I'm not sure. But it looks like they will be a main focus of this uh, DLC pack uh, in more ways than one, as we'll see in a second. So we see these big fruit trees, which I feel like will also play a big role we see a new version of the Rotom of the Rotom bike. I think. Uh, I think I, that. I think is, we saw, right. Yeah, I think that's a new Rotom bike. Whether or not it's going it to be an upgrade it. or just a uh, maybe a cosmetic difference, I'm not sure. It, it looks might like be. The, yeah, it might be just a cosmetic difference, like just. It looks snow, like the trainer. Like yeah, it looks like the trainer is also a different, wearing outfit a, different too. a different helmet, a different color scheme. So we'll have to see what goes on with that. But these birch trees, this environment looks really nice. So this now we where, see. The legendary, the legendary dens. dens. So remember how frustrating Mewtwo was? Uh, now, now we're going to have to go through all. all that shit for all of these legendaries. They all so look sick, by the way. They all do look pretty sick. Just seeing them so massive oh, is nuts. Now place. we get to some cool stuff. So there are two new Regis. There's yes. an Electric-type Reggie and a Dragon-type Reggie. No, okay, yeah, okay we need to we need to talk about the Reggies first before we, this this trailer this part of the trailer throws a lot at us at once so I have some more information. Okay, so hang on, this the is the first part. The, the twin it looks like the twin dungeon or the yeah, twin it looks like right the twin temple. So it's, so it's so quick, but yeah, the twin hope, temple. I hope you can acquire both of them in the same version because I don't want them to be like oh you can one you can either choose one or the other or two you get one sword and one in shield. That would suck so much. But judging about how like the trainer goes through the door and it's completely centered and it's not like you have to make a choice, it seems like you'll be able to get both, but that's just speculation at this point. But we do have the official English names for these two new Pokemon. The Electro-type is called Reggie Alecki, 
and the dragon type is called Reggie Draco. So, Reggie Alecki is really strong. Yeah, so Reg- it has... Reggie Draco, well... we'll... The, uh, so the, the signature move for Reggie Alecki is called Thunder Cage, which will deal damage and trap a po- uh, an opponent's Pokemon for four to five turns. So it's yep. basically a trap move, but it also damage. Well, never mind. There, there are moves like that already. So it, it's kind of, I'm not sure how strong it'll be, but that's its uh, secondary effect. Right there, that's what it looks like. Yeah, so Reggie Draco uh, has a new ability, Dragon's Maw, and a, oh, oh, sorry. The new ability for Reggie Alecki is Transistor, and apparently we don't know what that does yet. Uh, and we also don't know what Reggie Draco's ability does, but it is called Dragon's Maw, and a new move, which is called Dragon Energy. And the description that we have is it does more damage the higher the HP, but this description fails to identify whether or not it's your own HP or the opponent's HP. So we're not sure exactly how these moves and abilities work yet, but uh, I like the designs a lot. Like, I think they're really cool. Game Freak somehow managed to sneak in another Charizard in this game because... (laughs) You can see how Reggie Draco's kind of two arms make up the top jaw and the bottom jaw of like a dragon skull. And when he does his signature move, they kind of like come together as if the dragon's breathing uh, some sort of electricity. Uh, And it has the two... It's not a carbon copy of Charizard, but it has the two horns and similar. So people are making those jokes already. How much Pokemon and Game Freak loves Charizard? I wouldn't be surprised. I was about to say, I would not be surprised, but... Uh, it definitely looks really cool. The new moves look really cinematic, so I'm really excited to see uh, what they can do. But now we move on to, I think, the most amazing part of the trailer, and it is having Easily. to do with the Galarian form. Uh, Galarian form. Trio. So Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno have Galarian forms. And it seems like they have a little bit of their own cutscene, probably for their introduction. Yes. Uh, they're, in, so... they're, in front of these, they're in front of one of these large fruit trees, and they're all fighting each other. Yes, so, so each of the, we found out about this earlier on when the DLC was announced, but now we have more obviously detail about yeah, them. Now we, we already have we already images too. Yes, so Galarian Articuno, Psychic Flying, Galarian Zapdos, Fighting Flying, yes. Galarian Martrace, Dark Flying. So I guess it makes sense because I've always thought of this like you've Grass, Fire, Water, like yeah. Psychic Fighting, Dark is kind of like the same kind of concept. Yeah. So, it's it, very I, cool to see. I think it's super cool. Uh, we have we do have. Uh, Abilities and signature moves for these guys yes. as well. So for Moltres, uh, it has a new ability called Berserk, which I'm not sure. I don't think we know what it does yet. A new signature move called Fiery Wrath, which does damage and can cause the opponent to flinch. Galarian Zapdos uh, has Defiant for its ability, which is uh, an existing ability. And a new move called Thunderous Kick, which does damage and lowers defense. And then Galarian Articuno has the ability uh, competitive, which is also a uh, existing. An existing move, and the move freezing glare, which does damage and can freeze, presumably at a higher rate. So it seems like the signature moves for these Pokemon reflect the types that they were originally before. I like this that a lot. Galarian forms, which you know, I'm I want to figure out the story elements for a lot of these. You know, for one. As previously mentioned, you can now encounter Pokemon, uh, legendary Pokemon, in raid battles in in um, uh, Crown yeah. Crown Tundra. Yeah, 
Crowned Hundred Guns, yeah. I'm interested to see how they work that into the story because in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire and Sun and Moon, you can there are similar methods to acquire all the legendaries from past games. In Sun and Moon, there were these Hoopa portals that would summon the legendaries. And in Sun and Is Moon, it, yeah. you'd go you go through the like ultra space and you basically go to alternate dimensions where these legendaries also existed and you would capture them. So I'm I'm curious to see how they work into the story why all these legendaries are here in this specific spot. Also I want to know are these like are these like completely different Moltres Zapdos and Articuno are they were like were they transformed into this due to the climate like most other like or due to the climate or regional uh, little quirks that Galar may have like uh, a lot of the other regional variants seem to follow that trend that they slowly transitioned into this new form to survive in this new environment. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious to see, you know, what they're doing here, why they're fighting each other. Because, you know, there are obviously a lot of Pokemon rivalries, but it's rare that we actually get to see an in-game battle between them, you know? So you think so you think this scenes right here is actually going to be a part of the game? Uh, yeah, it, it seems like it's a... It's a mini cutscene, so maybe you'll like travel to this tree because oh, there's a disturbance, and then this scene will play out, and then they might be roaming around. They may be, there may be more story to them than I'm than I'm thinking there will be. I'm not sure, but I I just think it's the most interesting because their designs look so good. Yeah, their designs do look incredible. I think Moltres has the strongest of the three, but um, I don't these know. are completely different. You know, they, like if the, yeah, that would bring into question, like, oh, are there multiple Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno in the world? I don't think so. Because their moves, that. their moves reflect, like their signature moves reflect the types that they were originally. Yeah, which so is, my, you know, my thought is that these were these used to be normal legendary birds until they came to Galar for some reason. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I'm gonna be interested to see how they um, tie the legendaries being in the dens i really hope that they're just not there i'm assuming there'll be some kind of like i don't know if it's a story but some kind of like reasonable explanation hopefully like some sort of explanation but uh because trying to think of it these kind of seem like dark alternatives to these legendaries now that i'm thinking about it because on the pokedex entry galarian uh, moltres is called the malevolent pokemon and galarian articuno is called the cruel Pokemon. Uh, Galarian Zapdos kind of breaks that trend. It's just the strong legs Pokemon, so it kind of breaks the uh, whole evil yeah. aesthetic. Uh, yeah, just... But, I don't know, there's a lot of questions still. Like, there's a lot that Game Freak is still holding close to the chest, and release is coming up in a few weeks, so... You know, I applaud them for not showing us all their cards. Mm-hmm. I think it'll leave a lot of, you know, surprise yeah. factor, which I, I do very much appreciate. Even then... This is Crown Tundra. This is still quite a bit I was, away. This is quite, I was about to say, I, I I just realized that Isle of Armor is coming up soon, but this is even further away. Yeah, which is also why they could be holding close to the chest. I'm not That's sure. True. Like, I'm trying to think of, you know, maybe events that could happen in the main game that could have brought them all here. We put a stop to, like, Rose and... The Darkest Day Genesis. could have obviously had a, an effect in it. We took... Yeah, we, and maybe maybe that could be the reason why their forms are changed. Because none of the other legendaries have changed form. Like, no, they, they don't. Forms. These, these are the only Altering forms. Yeah, like uh, Pelkia, Dialga, like Groudon, and they all had their same forms. Now, obviously, from a business standpoint, 
These three are from Gen 1. They're very popular. That's probably... Uh, not that's probably not a small reason as to why they uh these three specifically are being featured but i'll be interested to see what the writers do with you know the explanation of all this well in their defense i think this is the most iconic of the bird of like the trios that we have absolutely yeah so i I I just cannot get over how much they nailed the design Designs are strong. Like very they're strong. really strong. Like I really like them a lot. I was convinced that Zapdos would be ground flying. Yeah, but once but you see that like dark and um, sidekick, you're dark psychic, he's fighting, fighting. fighting cycle. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a Halucha. I just realized Zapdos is a Halucha now. <laughs> just a, a stronger Halucha. Exactly. But yeah. And then we the get this. Oh, Cal- yeah. Then we get it's it's ironic how the poke the legendary Pokemon that we have the least information on. For Crown Tundra is the signature Pokemon. Yeah, it's again close to the vest. I, I I like it. Oh, this oh, I want to. Talk oh, about this. this. Okay, I think I have some. I actually took, I actually wrote this down my notebook. I'm like, what the hell? Like, so let me. Yeah, try so and... Pokemon League doubles. Let me find the information for this. What the hell is the guys on the left name? It okay, left. Uh, Raihan. Yeah, no. Okay, so, Raihan and Leon. Therabia. in the Crown Tundra. So. We'll st- we still have to wait a bit for this. There's a new feature called the Galar Star Tournament. In this, you can play multi-battles against various characters from the story. So, they show pictures of, you know, you and Hop fighting uh, Raihan uh-huh. and Leon. But there's also... Okay, uh, so me fighting Raihan and Leon. But there's also a picture of your character and Marnie fighting B and Nessa. So this okay, is I- probably going to happen I- for every gym leader. Okay, good. That's better. I don't want to freaking fight with Hop. He's... We, we That's this, true, but... Hop. Oh, yep, we got Kingdra, Magnazone. Ninetales. Uh, all these um, returning Pokemon. Agron, I believe, is returning Agron, as yep. well. Um, slow, and, pissed off Slowbro. And, ending with uh, a Slowbro murdering someone. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. That I was about to say, that is what we went through it, you know, in real time as we were watching it, so. Uh, but yeah, that is everything the trailer revealed and also, you know, kind of gave us a bit more information on no it was it was good to see i i did i did like the trailer i watched it a few times just to you know obviously for this but mainly just because it caught it it caught my attention you know game freak makes some good trailers like they they reveal just enough and in the right like context where like it's still a mystery as to what exactly it is but it looks like it catches your attention and the music was also phenomenal like they make the trailers yeah do you have to do you have to get do you have to get one DLC to get the other? Like, are they a package deal? I don't think so. I think you can wait one out. So I might, but I know you're. I know you're getting both, but I might just get Crown Tundra. I'm not. I'm not sold on Isle. Yeah, Army Crown yet. Tundra is looking pretty. Is looking pretty slick. But Obviously, I, I'm interested in Ursula. So. I'm interested in the challenge. You know, if yeah, this so, is going to go down how we think it is. Yeah. So that's. So we have that coming up. We'll be Tyler. Will be all over that. I will, just. A uh, couple sorry, weeks my after that, levels, we'll, my Pokemon hype levels that, we'll, Origami King. Uh, we got some stuff coming up the come to shoot the here. pipeline, which is yes. very much needed at this point. Very much, yes. So I wanted to talk quickly about, you know, I've been you can follow me on Twitter. I've been oh. whew, got sucked in recently by by, by, by the blade, blade, by the blade. So I'm um, it. We are any spoilers? Up. Are any spoilers about to be discussed? 
No, I'm not going to talk about spoilers. Okay. I will say what I am. But we were going to talk about sales real quick, and we were way off because Xenoblade didn't even get to number one in Japan when Ooh. it was dropped. Oh, no. So it's actually not terrible. Uh, <laughs> the, in Japan alone, it sold over 100,000 copies on release week. Mm-hmm. Which, wait, the game sold an estimated 102,000 copies last week, almost an identical figure to the week before. Okay, so I guess it sold. So it's 200,000, I think, in just Japan right now. Yeah. And that's still... Nine, uh, 100,000 this week is still not enough to get past Animal Crossing New Horizons in Japan. Uh, I mean, it's Animal Crossing. Like, yeah, it's shocking. I think we went over... It's doing well in the UK. I'm certain it's doing well in the United States. So yeah. we did. We, we had it pretty high on the prediction list, which is probably going to come up short... It yeah, could maybe. it could end up it could end up being in the Fire Emblem realm around like two, three, four million, which I think would be pretty good. Highest selling Xenoblade game ever. You know, can't complain. I mean, I guess I I guess I'm majorly overestimated how how no. how th- maybe this would take off with new people. I think I made I think I may have overestimated that a little bit. I just think I think it I mean it obviously took well with you and you were new. I, yeah, I love it. Uh, I, I thought it may be just because like it still has a lot of that 2010-esque feeling to it. That that's maybe that's why it didn't take yeah, it off. Yeah, the nostalgia probably. Does it? I, I am curious. Um, is the bat is it is the battle system like surprisingly addictive? Kind of like a Fire Emblem situation where you wouldn't think it'd be super fun, but does it like draw you in like Fire Emblems did? So yeah, most yeah most games I've played before fire emblem like you constantly have to like be hitting buttons to perform attacks i kind of like it in the sense that i really don't all i have to do all i have to worry about is how my attacks correlate with the others and how that weakens the opponents because the opponents have like hundreds of thousands of hp and shulk has like my shulk right now is like three thousand so it's an unfair fight every time but there's three of you so I, I do like the fact that all I have to do is worry about like special attacks, like where I'm at on the battlefield versus like, okay, now I have to get here and do this. Now I just have to worry about like one thing at a time. I do actually like that a lot. Now I am going to get new. All right. I'm on chapter 10. I'm halfway done to chapter 10. If you are still on the fence about this game, <laughs> I really do think it is worth your time and money. Uh, there's 17 chapters, so I looked that part up. I'm only on chapter 10. I've played, I think, close to like 30 hours already. Oh shit! Yeah. So, and I'm li- I've literally had moments in the past couple days where I either dropped my controller or was like legit shocked by the story. Like it's mm-hmm. that good. So I think that <clears throat> just a non-spoiler review. There's a lot of cool characters. There's a lot that the story is incredible. The combat system takes a bit to get used to, I will admit that, but once you do get the hang of it, it's pretty fun to maneuver. And was, even though it does it does have it graphics aren't fantastic, it still has a lot of that twenty tens nature. But if you can get past that, which I can, and I I love Fire Emblem, and we all know what those that game's graphics. So <laughs> of course. yeah, if you can get past Fire Emblem's graphics, you can get past this. I so mean, it looks. I, it definitely. I think it has a leg up on Fire Emblem. Just no, no, for, it for sure. You know, it for sure does. And I will say this: this was my hot take that I was telling you about. I think I played. I haven't played a ton of video games, like in the grand scheme of things. I right. think the mech. I think the Mechonis is the best villain I've ever encountered in a game. Really? Yes. So 
Okay. First, I think I think they're hilarious. Like the metal face mechons are, they kill Monado me every time. Nado boy. Yeah, yeah, I love how they say like they they inti- they like taunt you while you're battling. They're, it, Todd, you you literally asked me last episode, is there that much talking in the battle? Yeah, there's that much talking in the battle. There's <laughs> I mean, still, it like, is a it's a JRPG. They're pretty notorious for having characters spout off all the time during combat. Yes, and there is and. The the metal face Mechon, the ones that can talk are just oh my god they kill me and they're like they're actually like intimidating because they're like tw- like twenty feet tall they just tower over you but Shulk's yeah five, uh, there's seven, a boss by, by short there's there's a boss in Smash Brothers uh in in Smash Bros Wii U I I think who are playing is in Ultimate right oh yeah the map is yes it is yeah I'm I'm not sure if the boss is still on it but the metal there is a metal face uh, boss on the xenoblades on the war no. plane stage so i no. we you gotta look at you gotta look at it a little bit yeah last chapter i was playing and they um, they they officially like launched their attack on like basically announcing war on people the bionis and i'm declaring just, war on the church of saros yes exactly i've i forget the exact line but it was funny it's just like they're like they're like flying in the air with these customs like i've always enjoyed a challenge and he's like flying away from like these 10 like high entian shifts and he's just like okay enough of the fuss and he just starts like blowing people to shreds and then yeah i just think i have to find like clips on it on the switch and just play that because they're actually pretty funny but no they have a real storyline yeah they have a real storyline they're actually interesting like it makes you want to pursue them and kick their ass so I do enjoy that a lot. All right, I'm gonna get into spoilers now. So if you don't want Xenoblade, you gotta, you gotta love to hate your villain in, in a lot of cases. no. Yes, like Shulk hates his guts, and you actually feel that like through his voice acting. Another right. thing, voice acting makes any game good. Any game, it, def- good. it definitely helps out. The it fact, gets you sucked yeah, into the game, no exactly. matter the quality, you, it gets you sucked in if it's good. To stay in to stay engaged in a game without voice acting is becomes eventually exhausting. But the fact that there's another thing pushing you to keep at it with especially with the voice actors. Like they right. just bring the games to life, they bring the characters to life. So I just wanted to say that this game does have pretty good voice acting. Even though we were skeptical because all the cutscenes we saw were of Shulk just yelling at the top of his lungs. Alright, also now we're gonna speaking this- of voice actors, okay, complete fine. complete side note. Allegra Clark, I just found out that she voices Bloodhound <laughs> and Apex Legends. This woman has range. Anyone who needs just an amazing voice actor should go contact her because I realized how freaking wide her variety of voices seems to be, at least yeah, from no, my limited yeah, exposure Dorothea to her. and Shamir, just complete two polar opposites. Just complete polar opposites of each other, and then you have Bloodhound, who is just a complete wild card. So, yeah, sorry, so, that's just something that's just, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, as soon as I learned that. So. Yeah, no, 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 no. You texted me. I'm like, yeah, I, I did actually did know that. But this, this is right, like look, another Ingrid is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in Trials um, of Mana. Yeah, Br- Brittany Cox is in Trials of Mana, and I just, my mind was fucking blown. Melt, anyway. Melt, yeah. Melt right, we're some spoilers Continue. Now. Yeah, spoiler so, time. I will say this. I think, I love Shulk so far, but I think Dunban's my favorite character. Is Dunban, is Dunban fun? He's really cool. Like, he's, he's 30, so he's over the hill, but oh, he, <laughs> he's over the hill. And he's over the crest. And over, yeah, and over the, and I only use one of his arms. So we're looking at like a forty-five-year-old man here. But I think he's he might be the best unit of the bunch that I have. Like he is, he's agile. He dodges a lot of attacks. He's, I I don't know. He just he just parlays off of Shulk so so well. And 
the thing I also like about parlay, the game, that's a really good word. Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah no, you. The things I like is that you can't use the same team the entirety of the game. Really? I had to take out. Yeah, no, you have to change because I got stuck on a boss battle. I had to take out both Shulk and Ryan. I had to take them both out. Why? And I had to put. Like, in, what what constitutes I, your changes? So. That's super cool. Like, I just want to know how that's, like, forced upon you. It depends on who you're fighting. So if you have a tankier enemy, you're going to want healers on the ground. So my healers are Sharla and Ricky. I don't know if you know who Ricky is. I know who Ricky is, yeah. He's he's a Sistrophy and Smash. I know him. Yeah, he's a a no-pawn. He's a healer. And nobody ever attacks him because he's weak as shit. But he's a healer. So basically my strategy was – there's a lot of strategy – I use Dunban as kind of like my tank and someone who do deal damage. And Charlotte's kind of like an intermediate, but she's more of a healer. And then Ricky's just a straight-up healer. So right. I wore down... Oh, no, wait, no. It was... Shit, not Charlotte. Melia. Melia was my third. The Hyantia and um, Homs half-breed. So Melia has an ability where I was fighting a Telethia and an Assassin in the Holy Tomb. There's a lot of holy tombs in there's a whole there's oh. a holy tomb in Xenoblade. There is, yeah. I was like, oh, ah! so this is twisting <laughs> I, I in her grave right now. I could tossing and turning. I couldn't believe it. But <laughs> no, so Melia has an ability where she can counteract, like a Telethia can, like force lock you onto it, so you can only attack the Telethia and the assassin oh. just kick ass. That's why I had to switch. Because Melia has an ability to negate that. So I would use Dunban to fight the assassin, then take on the Telethia. And Melia and Ricky would just kind of like keep me going, like keep me healthy. That's super cool. Like, I'm glad yeah. they give you like an incentive to change out teams. No, yeah, they have, do. Have so, bosses, have certain encounters given you trouble where you had to like, where you've lost multiple times and you've had a to few, try and... A few, yeah. That's due to my inexperience. But, you know, the, fir- the enemy I was talking about last week, Zord, Zord was giving me the blues. But oh, no. the problem, but the problem was, I didn't know how to chain attack at the time. I know how to chain attack now, so that's helpful. But you couldn't change your team back then. You only had Shulk, yeah. Ryan, yeah. Charlotte. But now that I have Shulk, Ryan, Charlotte, Dunban, Ricky, and Melia, I have six. They all follow you on like the overworld. Like you just have this massive party just going through the in cutscene. It shows all three, but in the game, it's only the three in your um party. Uh, you can change your party around. Like you can change your leader. You can change who you play as. Like I like that a lot. There's a lot. Oh, of that's super cool. Yeah, I like a lot of customization. So I just got to the part where, and if you're playing the game with me, like I've never seen this before, where Fiora is a uh, silver-faced mechon. Okay, I guess we did say spoilers. I did say spoilers. So I literally, so we literally just freed, we freed Zanza, who is the god who built the Monado. He was. Sealed away by the people of Hyantia. And God, he fucking killed him? No. The, the metal face Mechon killed him. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, So what happened was we had to go to Prison Island. We had to... Oh, forget what like, We had to do so Prison many... Island? This is like Sonic Adventure shit. What's we going on? To, we had to get to so many fucking like, little cutscenes and shit. Oh. We had to go to the Holy Tomb to save Melia because Shulk can see the future, so he knew something bad was going to happen. Then he saw the future again, saw Melia's dad get killed by the Metal Face Mechon, which he does. We couldn't change <laughs> that. And I can change the future. No, no you can't. not no, he can't. Not, not this one. No. So yeah, uh, Emperor Emperor Melia's dad gets a uh, gets Hayad gets up out of there, but not before. Literally gets stabbed with three giant claws like a wolverine. It's tough. But 
No, that's not at, not after we free um we free Zanza, the guy who built the Monado. Melly is like, do not free that man. Our forefathers found him for a reason. Shulk's like, fuck you. I need this power. <laughs> so piss off. This is my yeah. Shulk God. frees Shulk frees Zanza like he's chained like this. He looks like like being persecuted. Yeah. He's, we free him, Shulk. So we free him, and literally two seconds into his into his freedom. Metal Face Mechon takes a giant green spear and just throws it right through Zanza's chest. <laughs> oh, my God. And he is like, impaled on a stake. And he is just sitting there with his mouth wide open, just dying. And as this is happening, he, like, fades away. Like, I don't know what is with people and fading away, but I guess Thanos made it popular. So oh, boy. Zanza fades away. Shulk gets the Monado 2. It's it's called the Monado 2. It's basically just Super Monado. Yes, it's called the it's basically the Super Monado. And the difference is the Monado couldn't do different couldn't do damage to mech, metal face Mechon before. Now that, that seems I have very the, inconvenient for if that's who you're ex- fighting the entire extremely game. Extremely <laughs> inconvenient. So now that I have this, basically the God Sword, I can just rip these people with ease and i'm literally sitting in my bed like cussing at this metal face mecca that's how into the game i am i'm like oh my god yes it is time to kick your ass and we did we whooped them up that's a good Not power a- trip you know like you finally yeah. get the power to kick his ass that's all. yeah we, i'm pretty sure shulk like cut off his arm and then it was getting right he says you will know the pain and suffering you caused the emperor and fior he's getting ready to decapitate him on prison island i'm like oh my god yes we're about to end the game this is before I knew there were 17 chapters. So I'm like, oh my god, yes, it's, a, it's about to be over. No, Silverface Mechon, who turns out to be Fiora, who has been brainwashed and doesn't remember anything, gets in the way. Oh my god. That's and a good we, twist. Yeah, and we find out that it's Fiora, Shulk, Shulk's in shambles, Dunban shambles, no one can believe it. Oh. Melly is like, wait, that's the chick that he likes, but I like him. So there's now a love triangle. Oh no. And Not Charlotte, a good thing to have. No, and Charlotte's literally like to Melia, like as the party walks away, Charlotte like does the little like lean back, like oh, don't worry, I got you. Like I'll make sure he comes back to you. And Melia's like fooey, and then it's not fooey, it's true. Fooey. But oh, yeah, now we're going to Shulk's final smash and ultimate spoiled the fuck out of that twist. Yeah, but now we are going to we are going to save Fiora. So we are now crossing over on the Bionis's arm, and I'm going to be doing that the second the I get Bionis from here. Bionis is that huge thing with like the saw blade in Guar Plain, right? Bionis, literally, they literally live on the two Titans. There's Bionis and Makanis. Oh, the, that's right. Yeah, live... that was in Xenoblade Chronicles two. Yeah, so the good guys live the on Bionis, and the Makanis live on Makanis. Duh. But oh, okay. <laughs> So yeah, I, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with Xenoblade. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm level 45 with all my characters, so it's not hard to level up. It's like Pokemon, where the everyone gets experience if you beat an enemy. Well, it's like uh, modern day Pokemon. Back yes, then, you have to everything's XP share to that shit. Yeah, everything's hella expensive. By the way, it's ridiculous. But oh, yeah, that's where I'm at. And that sounds fun, man. I did. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, no, I. I love that game so far. I mean, I'm taking a look at my, I'm not going to lie, I'm taking a look at my top games of all time, and I'm like, this one's going to be up there. Ooh, all right, very, very interesting, especially because you're not, you're like not, you're barely halfway through it. Yeah, I hope to finish it this week, but I don't know if I will. If I grind hard enough, I get a chapter done a night, but. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Um, That's Xenoblade. I'll keep you guys updated. Hopefully I have a full-scale review next week. 
Oh, yeah. Now. Oh, is this... Is it time? Is it, is it eggs? Is it egg time? Uh, it's egg time. All right. So I proposed this topic to Colby. I was at work. That seems to be where my all my brain juices flow because I'm just alone with my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, not always the greatest thing, but in, in this particular case... Uh, helpful. I, it, helpful. So I wanted to talk about a certain aspect of gaming that uh, I've always been kind of enamored with, but I don't... Like, I see a lot of people talk about this aspect, but not in the way that I kind of want to you know, touch on it here. And that is the concept of Easter eggs or secrets left by the developers of video games in their games. And, you know, Easter eggs are, you know, that's how they're commonly called because the developers of games usually leave them for players to find in sort of like secret locations so that they're not super obvious, but, you know, they're little little hunts for 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 their players to find and they can come into and they can come in a lot of forms they can be you know a spoken line of dialogue perhaps that references uh, another game or some sort of thing from pop culture or something like that it could be a physical asset within the world that references something maybe and it doesn't even have to reference something outside of the game it could reference something in universe you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of freedom with this with this concept and i feel like because I, I started thinking about it, and I feel like the Easter Easter eggs in this game are kind of the exemplification of the passion that goes into into these games. You know, because these cause these Easter eggs are extra things. You know, they don't have to add them. Yeah. But the developers take the time to put in these little secrets. You know, even if they're small, even if they're not super game changing developers take the time you know on time that they don't need to take to to put these in there for players to find so i feel like these easter eggs are you know a nice little reminder and or indicator of the passion that these you know developers developers put into the game and you know i thought i'd share some of you know my some of my personal favorite games that have that i believe have really good easter eggs in them uh both of them are going to be uh, open world games. So the two games I want are uh, Just Cause 3 and Dying Light, which I didn't right. talk about recently. Yeah, I'll, I'll interject here. So I think the cool thing with... It's always cool to see developers appreciate a game that... It typically comes before it. A game that, can't, that comes before it and yeah. games that they're making now. I think that's just a cool appreciation that people have for like what they what people before them have done. So yeah, many you know, times Easter, Easter eggs. Uh, sorry, continue. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Easter eggs are they're just fun to look for, and it gives you some incentive mm-hmm. if you know they're out there. You just gotta go find them. Like I don't know. Like I don't have a ton of experience with like Easter eggs that made me fall out of my chair, but you know, it's just it's just nice. To, it's just nice to see. It's neat. Yeah, Easter. I believe that these secrets and Easter eggs also can provide an insight to uh, the inspirations that uh, fueled the developers of this game, like what they kind of drew from, maybe uh, something that you know it has a personal connection to them, uh, especially if it references something from outside the game, like pop culture or another game or a show or something like that that could have had an influence on this game. So I think it is kind of like a nice insight into seeing 
you know, maybe some things that had a, a hand in influencing uh, the game that it is being referenced in. Yeah. So this being a Nintendo podcast, I will start with Dying Light because there are two big Nintendo Easter eggs, actually, that I want to touch on. And they're, Dying Light has some really good Easter eggs. Like, there's a whole section of the in, of the blueprints, like, craftables menu that's just secret dev uh, blueprints that you can find around the world that they've left for you. Mm. So, like, for instance, there's a freaking... There's a grenade that calls down an airstrike missile. There's a grenade that makes zombies vomit and fly into the air and explode. There's, there's a sword called the Expocalibur. Where it's EXP and then Caliber. Ah, uh, uh, funny em. joke. Uh, <laughs> but the two em. things I want to talk about are one, the Paisa suit, and two, the Twilight Phantom. So, Paisa suit. This is essentially a, a wingsuit uh, that you can get. You can activate it in the air to glide for a, an admittedly very short distance, but still, <laughs> uh, it it is it is there. So, what you do to get this? is you have to go onto a building, like this very specific building. And if you look in the chimney, you'll see a little green pipe sticking up from it. And if you Uh hold the button to interact for it, you will be teleported to a recreation of World 1, Level 1, from the original (laughs) Mario Bros. But instead instead of a 2D point of view, you're at your 3D point of view. So you have like one single block with like insta kill uh traps or insta kill uh drops on either side and you're you're going through the level and the zombies are small and dressed like goombas Damn. and if you jump on them they die <laughs> so That's... you're you're making the, your way through this level and the way you get the paisa suit is you have to jump up onto a set of blocks that are supposed to be question blocks and if you jump again, there's actually an invisible block overhead of you. Climb up on top of that newly revealed block, and you'll get the blueprint for the Paisa suit. And then you end the level by sliding down the flagpole with fireworks going off, and then you get teleported back into the real world. It's an, it is That's a really pretty. awesome Easter. Like they they went hand with that in the I background, or like you know they even have like real they, this 8 bit 8 bit music that goes along with it too that's nowhere else in the game it's nuts yeah home so run. that is a really good example of i think just a really amazing easter egg that they didn't have to add in but was super awesome the second sure. nintendo easter egg is the twilight phantom which is essentially a one-handed ver well i say one-handed it's the master sword you can get the master sword oh. and die uh, it's obviously not the same. They obviously have to change it for copyright reasons, uh, I assume. So yeah, definitely. But it, but it's called the Twilight Phantom because you know those two, you know Twilight Princess, Phantom Hourglass. Those are two uh, Zelda titles. Um, and it's something that you can. It's kind of it's more of a. Uh, you can apply the Twilight Phantom to any of your current weapons, so it kind of like modifies it to look like them to be the master sword they'll still have some of the same properties like damage will stay the same or or i believe might be upgraded i'm not exactly sure but you find it off the coast of the uh, of the beach of one of the uh of one of the areas in the game in a secret little crate that you have to hack into 
and then it actually glows in the dark, I believe, when you when you strike enemies with it. And it has a small How the hell do you not get copyrighted for that? <laughs> yeah, I hey these Easter eggs are just subtle references. So a lot of the time, you know, it's they can make a case where like, oh, this isn't exactly like this. So, you know. It, it's an inspiration. It's an it's an homage. So those are the All two right, I wanted there. to touch on in Dying Light. There's so many more. Uh, but I also wanted to touch on uh, of Just Cause 3. Just Cause 3 is another open world game. I really like open world game ones because they're usually, these Easter eggs are usually like physical secret locations in the world. And they're like physical assets. So it's fun to imagine like, oh, the things these are referencing, like this could exist within the same universe. Obviously they don't, but it's fun to imagine that. So in Just Cause, it there's is. a construction site where if you go to a certain spot, there is a a very familiar looking Norse hammer struck into the ground in the middle of a crater. Mm. And it's immovable. You can't pick it up. You can't destroy it. You can't use your tether grapple to like pull it towards you. Can I take a guess at whose it is? I, I please be my be my guest. Had it narrowed down to like two people. Oh my uh, God. It's hard, I know. <sighs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Odin. It's Odin's hammer. I mean, technically, I don't think you'd be wrong if you said that. I don't think I would be either. That's all, that's that's it. Yeah, it's the other guy. It's, the other guy to be, he doesn't even wield a hammer anymore. It's meant to be Thor's hammer, and oh it's my just, god! Oh my god! Mind blown. He wields yeah, Stormbreaker it, now. <laughs> it's just a really subtle look. Like obviously, Thor doesn't exist in the Just Cause universe, but it's cool to like see that as It'd a be hilarious as a physical as a physical part of the world and be like, Oh, that's so like that. I don't know. I just think it's a cool feeling. And there's actually another very similar Easter egg into this, in a side of a mountain there, there is a, there's a sword that is stuck into the side of the mountain. That is actually, it's very similar to the design of clouds, buster sword from oh final God. fantasy. It's just lodged into the side of this mountain. Good old cloud. We love yeah. to see Cloud getting shout out. We love out. to see good old Strife getting a shout yeah, exactly. out. Exactly. Imagine but if yeah, Thor just flew down from the heavens. This is mine. Just leaves. I, I that would be, you know, I, I've I've thought of scenarios like, oh, how could how could this be here? You know, with the yeah. Thor we know, how could this be here? Or like, how did Cloud Sword get stuck in the side of this mountain? Well, did you see the? Did you just, just go off on the tangent real quick? Did you see that the they scrapped the Avengers game and they showed the footage of like combat and stuff? They scrapped it all. I think so, yeah. Oh, I that's nuts. Like I remember seeing the footage of it, but I didn't know they completely scrapped it. I think they did, yeah. I can you can keep going back confirmation on that. But yeah. Uh I just wanted to talk about those Easter Easter eggs, first of all, because those are two games I've played for a long time and I I wanted to kind of, you know, talk about them a little bit, but also just kind of as a whole to show you know what I think Easter eggs that they have a larger meaning uh, in games if you look into if you look into them a bit more, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they give you an insight into not only the games themselves or in their inspirations, but also, you know, the people who work on them, what their inspirations are, what what other things that they that they like. Obviously, not all Easter eggs are like this, but uh, those ones that I just mentioned stick out to me as particularly uh, telling of you know, developers' interest. They just give us a little bit more insight, I think, into the people who who make these games. So I, I just wanted to 
you know, have a little discussion about that since I thought it'd be an interesting topic. Okay, they scrapped a Avengers theme game, but a okay. Avengers theme game. New Avengers gameplay footage canceled. Okay, so okay, it was in two thousand. Okay, that, in two thousand eleven, there's another Avengers game title uh, in the works that okay. never was that was never released. Yeah, yeah, it looks not great. Not great. <laughs> but yeah, no, the Avengers games coming out in on uh, September fourth of this year. Oh, I. Dude, I've not heard a sing- I'm I've not heard a single thing about that since For like Xbox One, PlayStation, all that good stuff. Oh, Dying Light Two. Developers said that they're in the final stages of development, which is good news because it was supposed to have released, uh, I believe this summer or this spring. I'm not exactly sure when they get pushed back to. It's in it's in it, indefinite. Like they they're oh, not geez. sure. It, they right. said that they delayed it indefinitely, so that really made me sad. But uh, All hopefully, right, it's uh, still on schedule. But anyway, Dying Light Two, twenty twenty two, fall. Okay. We'll get it then. Huh? I'll wait. It's I'll wait. It's it's. <laughs> it's you're that you're good. used wait. to waiting. You're used to waiting at this point oh, when it comes to games. Metroid, Metro, everything. Any Metroid Bayonetta. There. I mean, hell, in this crazy situation we're in we're gonna have to be doing a lot of waiting which is why i'm very appreciative for games like origami king that are still coming out relatively soon so and also the isle of armor dlc so i'm i am excited for for those few games that are releasing uh even despite all of this so hopefully the quality does not take a hit that is my anything else you have before we wrap up here no oh you look at I've your watch nothing. like you have somewhere to be <laughs> exact no i have nowhere to be but oh, I've, i always oh, be you have to be right behind you on that bed playing xenoblade don't you yes <laughs> very yes right, well then we, okay. then we better wrap up quick that's an very all right important. so thank you guys, thank you guys for listening so to yeah. episode 43 what he said we we have had people take our survey. We've got some responses. Thank you to everyone who has so far. It is very appreciated. We appreciate it immensely. If you haven't taken it, it's going to be linked in the description below. Take it. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to see done better. Let us know what you want to see stick around. We want to cater to you guys. We want to improve. We want to keep that Absolutely. going. Other than that, though, we have we have a, tw- we have a Twitter page, uh, at SwitchUpPod on Twitter, YouTube channel, Switch it to podcast. Look for our logo. We're going to be there. We're going to be posting probably the entire segment of the Pokemon Sword and Shield. So if you want to watch the video along with us, that will be there. Yeah. Individual account. You can follow myself on Twitter and Instagram at Colby underscore Moyer. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram at Tyler Samsel. Nope. Nope. That's backwards. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Tyler Samsel on Instagram at, at tsamsel11. Uh, also, this is, I believe, uh, let us know if you would like a dedicated, because we already have a dedicated Twitter, of course, as Colby shouted out. Uh, let us know, either in the survey or, you know, hit us up on, on our social medias, if you would like a dedicated Switch It Up Instagram, where we can also put polls and such. So yes, if you so... have strong feelings about that, uh, let us know, and we will uh, do whatever uh, is based on your responses. So All right, uh, pick, a t- pick a tune. It is that time of the episode. Pick a tune. Pick a tune. Hmm, let's let's see what we did. Fire? Did we do Fire Emblem two times in a row the last time? We have done. We've done 
Lance is we done Lance and Red. Oh, we did Lance I did and Zeno, Red. I did Xenoblade last week. We did Poke. We did Iris's theme. Uh, I think that's it. Oh yeah, we did do Iris's theme. I mean, we talked a lot about Pokemon. So how about we do the champion theme, Leon Leon's theme. Okay, champion theme it is. That is going on right now. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we will see you guys next week. See you later, gamers.